having. Uh, I'd like to welcome Tino Segal very much. Thank you. Uh, you've been here a little while, but still in this constellation. Um, sorry for being uh, a couple of minutes late. Uh, for those of you who have seen the show, you, you, you might understand that the, one of the works, uh, ha, you know, it has its own life, so it had to sort of run its course. So we were in there letting the work end sort of by itself, and that's why we were a bit late. Uh, Tino, I want to head uh, straight into this uh, talk. And uh, the other day when we were here, I mean, we've been uh, working for quite a while before we opened this show and you met the people who work here the other day and we were talking about your work and uh, you were talking about the responsibility of, of our generation uh, and there are these uh, ideas that I see as, as being uh, circling around ecology of different sorts I don't know if you agree with me there well I think in core I agree I mean it's it's also about the kind of let's say, performativity or the strategic use of certain words. I think that um, I think that the word ecology is an interesting word on the one hand. I mean, historically, this kind of, I, I think I see it as related to cybernetics and this kind of idea of a network and a complex system. So that's something that I'm interested in. Um, but I think that let's say in the 80s and 90s, the word ecological or ecology, just as much as the word environmental, has has produced a lot of harm, like strategic harm, because has some essentially human problems, how we, how can we live like a, a life which is also livable for future generations, or how can we live a life um, so that future generations can even live a life um, this question has been kind of, which is a, essentially a human question and mm -hmm. not a question of nature or a question of um, what surrounds us. No? Mm -hmm. and, and I think both the words environment and the words ecology, they have kind of, that's what I mean by strategic harm. They have put these human problems outside of us as if it was about some animals or as if it was about the environment or something. And so that's why I think these, I prefer not to use these words. Although I think mm -hmm. that, I think the word environment is just really blatantly, a really deeply problematic word. Mm -hmm. The word ecology is an interesting concept, but it has been kind of, the connotations which go with this through the history of the last, let's say, 20 to 40 years have made it not really effective word to use because it just, um, points to the wrong uh, wrong side of the problem. Then the word responsibility, of course, that's that's something that I'm personally interested. Like mm. that, I I do see that each one of us has a kind of moral responsibility. But I wouldn't claim that for like as a general claim. It's more a moral intuition for myself. I see myself like in life responsible for my actions as a consumer, as a citizen, as a a person who is part in, of everyday situations, so so I don't have this kind of classically leftist idea of somehow the state state initiates a certain structure and a certain system, 
and then then kind of it's kind of a top down thing then life is the way it is. I see my, my intuition is that, that I have a responsibility, but this is not something that I would put on other people. But so if you tie it more closely to your work then, I mean, in, in relation to this sort of, uh, you know, what you're saying right now, you know, with the, in, in, in relation to what you just said, if you mm. tie that closer to your work, uh, I mean, those ideas in relation to the 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 immateri immateriality of your work do, are those how are they tied well i mean i think that that let's say our society at the moment is in a certain kind of nexus or what's a better word than nexus kind of conflictuous there's some kind of conflictuous but not easily resolvable parameters which kind of standing in tension. I try to, to say what they are. So on the one hand, um, we have something like we just talked about now. We have, we have since industrialization a very highly effective wealth-producing material production. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but also since whatever, 72, we know that this material production cannot go on and it's counterproductive. So then one could easily say, well, then we just leave it. We're wealthy now, but... So then comes the, let's say, second parameter is um, that every one of us needs to generate income. How do we generate income? Is by producing something. Mm -hmm. So, but producing something in our minds or in our culture means mostly producing something material. So there we already have two which contradict each other. And we can say, okay, you can produce something. Everybody, let's go back to farming. Everybody farms or self-subsistence. Um, so. Everybody's occupied, but um, kind of not participating in the market, not producing more than is necessary. But we don't want that. Mm. No, we we are interested in a culture of specialization. We want to kind of fulfill our own ambitions, and these ambitions are mostly specialized ambitions. No, mm. and and they occupy time. So um, we have to somehow trade them for something um, in the market. That's the third parameter. Fourth parameter is that, um, let's say, even if we we could produce a bit less, let's say, like, like the whole downsizing movement, we could produce a bit less and participate less in the market and produce less. Mm. But I think this is something which is culturally kind of happening. But on the other hand, social recognition, social status um, rely on 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 income. Maybe yeah. now a little bit less than than maybe twenty thirty years ago, but still um, today definitely social recognition depends on occupation. Maybe not on income so much, but def that was maybe thirty years ago. But on occupation, like I have something to do, and what I do is interesting. Mm. Now twenty thirty years ago it was not so important if it's interesting, but the income had to be the higher the income, the higher the status. Today it's maybe the higher, the more interesting, the more creative or something, higher the status to a certain degree, mixed with the income thing. So we have four parameters of what cons constitutes cultures or more, but they're kind of uh, conflicting. No? So, because um, we have to engage more in markets, we have to produce more because that's how we we gain social status and we don't have ideas of how to gain a social status otherwise. I mean, at least not clearly formulated in society. You know? So in that logic, in the fourth one, you, you really, it's really cool for you because you do something really, really interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, some people have showed up to this talk, so this, that to listen to this, my kind of not well thought out thoughts. So that means that you know. Sorry to put you on the spot, but <laughs> no, in no, that but logic, you know. Yeah, really no, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, but no, I'm not. Um, no, no, I completely agree with you in this in this kind of social hierarchy. I'm, I'm definitely not at the absolute bottom. Otherwise, there wouldn't be some people sitting here. Um, but the question is, of course, how to to find, let's say, a figure. Let's to stay in this mathematical metaphor. How to find figures which can resolve this equation with mm -hmm. these different parameters? No. So then, my work proposes a model which is, on the one hand, labor intensive. No, like mm -hmm. this people working here, they generate income, but on the other hand almost doesn't use any material resources. No? Mm. So it's kind of a model inside the market. Mm. There may be other models outside the market. I'm not necessarily only for models inside the market, but it's true that my work proposes a model inside the market. Mm. Well, in relation to that, it'd be nice to, to uh, mention the word performance, I think, which we've... Uh, uh, spoken about it took me a while when I saw your works uh, the first time a few years ago and then seen other works I I myself spoke about it as some kind of performance several times and I've uh, clearly come to understand that you don't see your work as performance at all hmm. um, well how long do we want to spend on this question because for me it's not an interesting question but I can answer I know it. but it's it's everyone I meet <laughs> Mm. Uh, before the show open and then mm. sort of explain oh so it's a performance mm. and then I, I, I explain I said no it's not a performance but it mm. you know I've heard you say it before but we don't have to spend a lot of time on it but it'd be nice to well let me give a very basic answer for, for people to understand why why is this not a performance well in, let's in me give world. a basic answer maybe one would try to bring it to the most interesting level one can bring this question I don't think it's very Interesting. So, but okay. So, simply, it's not the performance. Performance is a collective thing where you meet at a certain time, where somebody performs something for somebody else, mm -hmm. you know? and that's nothing to do with the exhibition. Like in antiquity, we had theaters, and that's those are. I mean, performance is a neologism for theater, experimental theater, or experimental theater done by people who also do visual art, and. Um, so my work simply not that. So it would be misguiding to to um, to call it that. Then very quickly, just to to satisfy your, or to answer your question. I mean, performance art was kind of against the market, against the institution, for against repetition, for the like irreducible m moment. That was a way being against the market, against the institution for like kind of the genius of the artist because it's art because the artist does it. Mm. And if you look at my work, it's repeatable, it's sellable, it wants to be in the institution, it's not done by me. Ideologically, it's, it's completely on the other end of the scale. Then, of course, another reason is that it's just a neologism. Why should we accept this word which some minor artist brought up who couldn't see that they were doing theater. For example, Dan Graham did kind of, you know, what people would call the P word, but he called it theater. There's a nice catalog by Dan Graham because he knew what he was doing, because one of the more, you know, relevant artists. Mm. Then also, this may be not so known, I mean, like my position is, has a long tradition. 
I mean, if you look at the situationists, the situationists looked down on fluxes and performance. They, they couldn't even criticize them. They could just laugh about this kind of, you know, kindergarten stuff. You know, like some people kind of doing this kind of experimental theater and thinking that that would produce another economy while it was just a little spectacle. Now, my position is not that of the situationists. I don't have a problem with... with, with with spectacle, and I don't have a problem with the economy, but the situationists definitely saw the kind of minorness of mm. this work also compared to its own ambitions. And the situationists, for me, are more interesting because they have an idea of, a, of producing a situation in, in which everybody is kind of active and on the same kind of ontological status. So my position is also not without tradition. It's not some kind of weird idea. Like if you look at this, you can look into some situations, texts, and it's actually quite funny how they kind of brag about and laugh about this kind of dilettant attempts to do something relevant. Hmm. Well, while you've been here, I mean, uh, you came uh, uh, not so long ago, but we worked for quite a while. We started in December. Uh, as for us as an institution, it, it's uh, been uh, quite, in, in a sense, quite overwhelming uh, putting this show together. And it sort of goes beyond the, the, the actual spaces that we're in, uh, how we have to think differently. And as a curator, uh, there's always this empty room. In fact, more or less up until today, which, which is really worrying. <laughs> You're used to like objects being there, and you can sort of construct the the construction of of uh, this exhibition uh, was very very different, uh, but it also reaches into each aspect of the exhibition uh, making process, and um, I guess from your point that's not at all an institutional critique. But how do you look upon this uh, fact that the your art starts? for the institution and for the people here very early on and it's it's a process that goes on for for a long time and then the show opens and then there's another process which is tied to that but it's for for the institution a lot happens uh i'll, I'll start at, at that point and just to hear what you have to say about that no i'm definitely interested in what you're saying i'm interested in the processes which happened before show happen, but I wouldn't go as far as you to call that art. Mm -hmm. Art, I have a quite normative understanding of art, and I think in a contemporary Western notion of arts, art is what questions art, but can also take place in a museum and can remain in a museum. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what happens behind closed doors and whatever interesting experience I make trying to find the people who do my work or kind of interesting experience you do, having to deal with people instead of things. Now, that's, I think it's quite interesting, but I don't think it's art. So I would try to make that distinction. Um, then, of course, yeah, I, I'm in the kind of, on the one hand, nice position that that's something unexpected happens when I, when, I, when I show up. On the other hand, of course, in a kind of, um, for me, uh, depressing situation sometimes that, that there's of course no tradition in the institutions I work with how to practically deal with my work. Mm. You know, like if you come in with a painting, they know, okay, we have to put on our white gloves, we have to put the crate, two people have to stand next to it, but how to talk to a person who's working for me, and that 
and you know how to also you know pay respect that they are taking time off their family that they're taking time off their regular job and, and how to accommodate them that's something which most institutions first learn just to take an example mm -hmm. now or also I mean, what is quite nice and a lot of institutional joy of course there's like depending on the show suddenly there's like 20 more people or let's say whatever 10 to 50 more people working in the institution of course it's like a kind of um, complete change of the social sphere of the institution and how to how to deal with this also and mm -hmm. um, also in the f process of finding I mean still today I have a lot of problems that people think, oh, you know, like I have this exhibition in Spain which is going on for ages at the moment where for a very simple piece with dancers and they don't understand that in their city there are simply no dancers and I've been telling them since half a year but they don't, won't believe that. Now, if, if I would have a, if I would be, I don't know, somebody who's lending them an old master, they would probably say, well, we don't have a restaurator in Vigo. Mm -hmm. Now they would accept that, but if I tell them you don't have dancers in Vigo, they've gone for half a year. Now until I say no, we're going to do another piece. So, um, so this takes a lot of energy, but it's, but I guess um, there there are definitely kind of productive uh, aspects to it. And then there's maybe this shift from from a more kind of material economy of means, let's say, dealing with things which which our society has been kind of um, very strong at, mm. now starting to deal um, more with people. And this shift is also then mirrored in that. But for me it has interesting sides, but also tiring sides. Because mm. of course I think the institution could know. <laughs> but well, you know, you get to know it in the mm. process. Uh, the, the follow-up, what I was also thinking about are the, the actual people in the, the, the piece, mm -hmm. the interpreters, the dancers, our own staff who do uh, one piece here. Uh, obviously you don't see uh, that as art, what's hap what happens mm -hmm. within, within them, but it's, it's really strong what happens there as well, that has become quite clear. And this is just the first day, mm -hmm. all these interactions. Uh, how do you think about those processes? Which in, in your words, uh, it's behind closed doors, so it's within mm. them, but it's also amongst them. I mean, there's so much, there's so many different sort of spheres uh, happening that, that would not have happened otherwise. For instance, there's a lot of people who've met here this, the last few uh, weeks who, mm. who would possibly never have met otherwise, and they, they, they're in the room, they have discussions, quite deep discussions at time, quite personal. I mean, I think I can maybe say one thing about that. Maybe to bring it to a bit other level, I think that that's also one of. I think that is true that people, things do happen, and some people have joked. So some interpreters, it's like therapy or something, mm -hmm. to do my work. But I think that's also one of the weaknesses of my work that my work has to function, like the interpreters have to be happy. And I think one of the reasons why the visual art field, as a field, has been successful, is because it doesn't have to function. Like if you think of cinema or theater, they can't really concentrate on questioning what their media actually are mm -hmm. because the dramaturgy still has to work. And then film is probably more successful than theater because at least um, you know they have, there's a lot of money and you can say, I want you to do this and I pay you for it. You know? While in theater, you also have to also still discuss now 
actress doesn't want to do this, or you know, it's, it's just so much, or the technicians don't want to do this, and you can say the bigger, like opera is even slower than theater because there's even more people involved. And, and the reason why I think visual artists have been, you know, in our days, one of the reasons why it has been successful as a field and as a growing field, I think this is something I guess everybody here can sign that it's a growing field, um, is because it doesn't matter. You know, you can, if you walk past the sculpture or if you stay and watch for half an hour, the sculpture doesn't care and the artist doesn't see it and it doesn't depend on the success of this work. While in theatre, if at the end they don't clap, it can be the, the masterpiece of the century, but it will still have problems, no? And so in, there, in that sense, my work has a certain weakness that it cannot be, f in that sense, you know, if it doesn't work, as an artist... For me, that's not a problem. Mm. Like, if it still produces something interesting, but if if it's not satisfying to the interpreters, then my whole work can collapse. No, so so that's why I'm quite concerned with how they think mm. and if they're having a good time or something. Um, well, then, in relation to that, there's. Uh, um, I, I can't help thinking about these aspects of your work that are, in a sense, very controlled, and and you like to control them. You want to work with the the people so that they do it right in a certain sense. And then there's this uh, side that you cannot influence at all. Uh, I mean, they they are entirely free. In, in, I mean, there are different types of works, and I'd like to talk about that in in a moment. But. Mm just in general, this work with pe with these people, and you you know what, you, what I mean, and in, you, it's, I mean, there's so small details, we talked about the piece at the entrance earlier today, and, and you sort of realized how, uh, how much work it actually is, and that it's actually more work than, than you thought, you know, and, uh, but then at a certain point you just have to leave it, and then it's up to you, or up to the, to, to the situation, it's entirely beyond you. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you're pointing to, if I understand you correctly, is that on, one, on the one hand, this kind of aspect of precision and control, and the other, and then this aspect of kind of whatever you want to call it, improvisation, freedom, randomness, yeah. or mm -hmm. um, and kind of I don't know why, maybe I don't know, maybe it's because I'm in Sweden. I don't know. I have this it reminds me of this. What is this saying? Like nothing needs more organization than an orgy or something. Mm -hmm. No, and um, so. But I think it, there's. This, I also, from, from a crafts perspective, I come from a tradition. No, I, I'm, I'm, I don't come out of. No, and I think that, for example, if maybe like William Forsythe, he's known the, the ballet choreographer. He's maybe known in, in Stockholm too. And if you, if you, for example, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you look at like he has this very complex group choreographies. I mean, it's kind of evident to everybody. It's like going in all directions and. You know, just like almost an image of complexity, and you cannot create this complexity. A certain degree of complexity you cannot create anymore by telling, like, like by defining every little second and every move on every second. You have to kind of set some parameters, and then between these parameters, then this complexity will happen each time differently. So. Mm. Um, you have to be very precise on these parameters, but then, of course, you have to let them 
uh, interact. And I think that my work functions in this mode. Of course, it's different to somebody like Forsyth's work because, say, in this, the third piece in the back room here, this objective of that object, of course, it's more than choreography. It's kind of people thinking and speaking. Um, so I think that, that both, it's not at all a contradiction. One is the kind of, um, the position is the condition for mm. for the kind of, oh, what's the right word, like the free flow of of, of the of the dynamic of mm. what's going on. Well, I just thought also it was very interesting with, with a piece like This Is New, which is, uh, can be discussed, you talk about your craft, I mean, it's such tiny, tiny details in how a person might move forward slightly. And these things will not at all be clear to the person who comes and visits. But if, if they, they don't happen, if you hadn't talked about them, the piece would work, possibly wouldn't work at all, or would work very, very differently. So it's very, very subtle. And uh, these, uh, it was just surprising to see how certain works that are really big in a sense, I mean, with many people, and you have a, a, a more the choreography or the instructions are slightly more general and then you have certain works like that piece which seems so simple it's just a heading from the newspaper but it's in fact it's an entire choreography up to a certain point and, and that I just find interesting that it's such so so detailed I think it has also something to working with four dimensions no like I, I think I work in four dimensions so um, so that means, but life is also in four dimensions. So that's the problem. That and maybe this sounds a bit abstract, but life can leak into my work. Mm. So any like, if if you're standing in front of a painting, you can kind of distract somebody else looking at that painting, but you can't distract the painting. Mm. You, there's you are in four dimensions, and this painting is in two. There's no kind of interaction except maybe from kind of cutting it. Yeah, but. Um, so, but but in my work, of course, there's so so many parameters of of the everyday situation, which is anyway happening in the museum or at the cash desk or whatever, and they can constantly leak into the work, and the work has to kind of be dynamic and robust or flexible enough to to deal with that, and that of course is um, doesn't make it easy. Not that I'm trying to say that painting is easy or sculpture is easy, but. Um, they're definitely dealing with less dimensions mm. and they are more static in that sense and more robust also against the situational surroundings. Mm. Uh, I'd like to... Um, I, I, pro I think that there might be quite a few people here who actually haven't seen the show, uh, but I'd like to talk about this specific uh, situation, the exhibition here, and uh, mention that there are three works uh, and that they are in a sense, picked and the, the shows put together uh, with three different types of work. So I'd, I'd like to mention the works and just uh, hear you comment on the different sort of types. And the first piece, uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about them actually as what, what they are. I'd like to more talk about in general what type of work it is because I don't want to you know, make a big spoiler here for those who, who haven't seen the show and then they, they won't come back. But uh, this is new. Uh, is the piece at the entrance, and it's a piece that uh, just relies on on a, a common, in a sense, everyday situation where where there's an exchange of words that people in general would agree on, and then there's something that happens that uh, is not within that convention, and this is 
and to me at least, a sort of a type of work that, or a type of approach that you have. It'd be nice to hear you comment on that. Um, yeah, well, it's, I guess one can if you character. Agree, even. Yeah, no, I think I, one can. I, I think that is one of the, my first works which actually qualify completely as a constructed situation. Mm. Now, of course, one can argue that my earlier works, like the, like instead of a line, which is shown here at the beginning, has more semblance to, let's say, conventional choreography or dance dance work, which has been transposed into the museum. Which, which I think that argument could go through, but one could also find arguments against that. Well, this is new, is definitely a proper constructed situation into which visitors kind of get entangled. They are mm. the, the kind of ontological difference between the person at the cash desk doing the piece and the, per, the visitor is like almost zero. Mm. Um, so this is a kind of mode of the intervention not sure if I'm really continuing on that mode of the intervention, though. But I wouldn't really know a good answer why I'm not continuing on that kind of intervention mode. Maybe. But you have more works in that direction, or you feel that this is new? As, no, like there's there's other works. Was one called "This Is About," which work in that direction? They take a pre-existing format and then they kind of intervene into this pre-existing format, but. I think mm, today I, I'm more focused on kind of like the last work, this objective, that object kind of creating my own format and mm. kind of reconfiguring what what the exhibition is into another kind of ritual. I see the exhibition as a certain ritual which makes means kind of basically walking through time from one object stopping to the next and there's a certain kind of, let's say, almost governmental effects which are which are at the base of what we call an exhibition, and I'm interested in reconfiguring what that is. So mm. I'm less interested in intervening, maybe into it. But I'm not I'm not sure about that. Mm. We'll get that to that work in a second. The, the second work with this uh, enormously long title, instead of allowing something to rise up to your face, dancing Dan and Bruce and other things. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, I mean, uh, Dan is Dan Graham, Bruce, Bruce Nauman. That's kind of introductory. It'd be nice to hear you speak about, uh, you know, these two artists and how this work actually relates to the works that they uh, did back in the 60s and what you've actually done with those works. I mean, what, what, what the idea behind this piece is originally. Well, I mean... Bruce Nauman was was kind of you know influenced by by dance by Judson Church maybe by Merce Cunningham people like Meredith Monk and he so dance people basically and he took that kind of aesthetic into the studio put it onto a video put it into the museum and what I found kind of amusing what Dan Graham did was that um, he said well okay that's kind of really interesting what this guy's doing but what about the camera. No, and kind of basically redid the same work, just including the camera into the work somehow, or making the camera an in imminent part of the work rather than something which remains external. And um, so I wanted to to bring something like dance with this kind of with its simultaneity of production and deproduction into the museum. I was kind of asking myself how to do that, and. Um, 
was kind of aware of this game that Dan Graham was playing with Bruce Nauman, and I thought, well, bringing dance into the museum has somehow happened already, but um, not in the way that kind of I'm interested in, because what's for me interesting in dance is this kind of, its mode of production, kind mm -hmm. of an, an economical perspective or production perspective on dance is kind of constructing something and at the same time deconstructing something. And of course they had completely, I mean, that was not their interest, but they had completely bypassed what was for me the essential feature of something like dance or also singing. They had made it into a, a material thing. Mm. So as Dan Graham had already kind of opened the game, I thought, well, okay, let me just continue and say, well, okay, but you're taking something like dance and the body, but you're, you're kind of leaving out you know, what is for me the main feature, and also it's kind of situationality. So let me kind of try and redo your work and kind of take away the video and redo it, you know, kind of continue this chain. Mm -hmm. And mm, it was also, of course, a way of saying my work is part, there is a tradition in visual art which my work is part of. It's not, of course, I had to kind of, at the beginning... Mm, kind of also argument for the fact that my work is visual art mm. because it takes place in exhibitions and it, and it was um, probably not unhelpful to kind of make that explicit also which which um, things it's deals to. Today I would not do that anymore. Mm. So in the third work, the subjective of that object talking about today, you wouldn't do that anymore. It seems to be what what you've been working on these last few years and the, the direction that you're going in right now. These... Uh, um, discussion pieces with, with people in different situations, uh, triggering conversations in different sort. This objective basically is, uh, is the first work uh, that you did in this way. Would you like to talk about the work? More pointed question, <laughs> but I guess there's a lot of things I can say about it, but... Um. Um, well, let's put it like this then. The, the, this summer I saw a uh, work called The Situation, where you have a group of people in, in a room and they, they move uh, quite differently in relation to these people. Uh, it seems to me that the, that piece was actually sort of a reaction to your own piece, which is shown here. Uh, now, I'm not sure that a lot of people in this room have seen uh, this situation. Uh, and so this objective, uh, I thought, was interesting to bring to Stockholm and show because it's the first of, the, uh, of those. So in a sense, this exhibition, uh, is, is, since it's your first in Scandinavia, I thought also that it's quite interesting to bring, in a certain sense, uh, the first or one of the first in a certain series of works. And this objective is um, the first con uh, conversation piece that you've made. So, I don't know, a question around that would be, um, for instance, how you feel about that work today in relation to those that you've made afterwards. Is it still important to you in relation to those that have followed and those that you're working on at present? Well, maybe I can say something about... I agree with almost everything you say except the conversation piece. I did do conversation piece. I have this piece, This Is Exchange, for example, which was shown in the German Pavilion in Venice, where basically you have a conversation with one of the guards. Mm. Um, 
But I think what is the difference is that it has it has different stages and it's like a game and mm -hmm. it, and the freedom of the people playing it is quite high and they also take part in some of the dramaturgical decisions. No, mm -hmm. so I would call these kind of pieces more maybe game based pieces. Um, no, for me it's for me it's one of my important most important works. I don't know how well it functions. I mean, one of its drawbacks is definitely that it doesn't work well with a lot of people. I can't show it like in. I mean, your attendance we'll see is quite high, maybe higher than I kind of um, was aware of because you have short opening hours, and this may be something I didn't really uh, fully um, understand, but. I'm confident that it will work, but it's not the work which can really take this kind of high number of visitors because it stops for each new visitor, at least normally. And um, today, I mean, it goes maybe back to your first question with this kind of responsibility thing, which I tried to sidestep because I didn't want it to seem too moralistic. And mm. But it does, I mean, I think what, what the most interesting moment in this objective is when um, when you're kind of asking yourself in this kind of Socratic, kind of a Socratic way on yourself, should I say something or why should I say something or do they want me to say something and if yes, what should I say? Mm. And you have the, f the feeling that somehow you should be doing something. While, while if, if we think of the, the tradition of the exhibition or of the museum, I mean, I think it's quite telling that the museum was kind of invented overnight more or less with the French Revolution and it was kind of a public display of these kind of, I think, the prince's collection where now the new sovereign, the people can work through as individuals, mm. as citizens. But now 200 years later, I, I kind of buy all of that and I, I think it's very relevant. But still I think today this is slightly outmoded in one aspect in the sense that people walk through the exhibition like a subject to a king. You're like receiver of this canon. And you're not really a producer of what's going on. Like there's these kind of very important works, maybe not in a in a in a Kunsthal or in a private gallery, but in this, if we speak of museums, there are these very important works and all you can do is kind of accept their importance. If you're against them or for them or you can't really do anything to them. You're kind of like a receiver of this kind of receiver of this kind of cultural order. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I was interested in kind of reconfiguring this ritual to the extent that, that as an individual, uh, one does have a certain, or one can have a certain power. Mm -hmm. Like also in this objective of that object, if you don't do or say anything, that's also fine. Then there's another realization of the piece. Um, but now I'm kind of irritated by the people going into the lift, <laughs> kind of losing my line. Mm. Um, so, so I'm I'm kind of interesting in this moment that that there's at least the possibility that you have the power of um, of changing the course of this work or changing the realization or having an influence on the realization of this work, and I think that this this um, reflects more precisely our current status as citizens or consumer, where there's something like opinion polls on and voting or that they had as well, but maybe not for women, but like um, 
as citizens, but also as consumers, where let's say in an affluent society, the demand side has the power, anything we value more or less gets produced, this market research which finds that out very quickly. So we are people who cons construct and produce reality. What the morals are around that, or the ethics we construct about that, if we say moral holidays, no, I don't care what the future will bring, or think, okay, now I have to kind of be the accountant of every my of any every decision I take in my private life. That I think is up to everybody themselves. But it is definitely the case that we are more powerful, and mm. at least to put that into play, I think is um, I see as important. But you put it in this case into play in, in a in a way that some people would find. I mean, it, it demands quite a lot. Would you agree to that, or do you, you don't see it that way? I mean, in, in the specific case of this objective, that object, it's, it's I think, one of your possibly more demanding works, may, maybe the most demanding on part of the viewer. Well, what it has is it has this kind of, um, I don't know, like slight aggression or negativity, which maybe the other words don't have. But... Um, like at the end of the day, I don't think I understand what you mean, and, and kind of on a rough level, I agree. But but I think that okay, you can experience in a certain way, but you can also just decide to leave. You like like in any exhibition room, and you can also decide not to say anything or not to react, and that's also fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it does put this question that you could intervene. It does put this question or possibility. Um, to the front. Hmm? Well, I was again forgot what I wanted to say, but uh, maybe we'll come back. I'll have, actually, I've, it's almost eight o'clock, so I'd like to open up for people who want to take, uh, possibly ask you some questions in a moment. Uh, I'll just since we are here in Stockholm, and uh, again, I mean it's very clear now. You know, you work with a group of people, and it, it possibly hasn't become clear to everyone. You know what that you're not traveling around with a group of people who perform these work in different places. It's very much a situation that people, you know, we found them here and so forth. There's a cultural difference between countries. What's uh, here in Stockholm, what's the Swedish experience so far for you? I mean, this group, you've put these, uh, all three of these works have been shown in different places. And they're obviously new each time, because I got the question from, from certain people, so has he made something new here? And we we, talk, we talked about that quite early on, and at, at that time you said, well, I, I don't really work that way, I don't, uh, because you asked me if I want to do new work, that's not why I would do new work, I, I develop a new piece when I develop a new piece. But at the same time it's become very clear that these three works are very new and specific to this place. What, what, what up until this point, I mean, and this is the first day, is to you specific about these pieces here at Magazine 3? Well, I mean, I guess the most specific is, of course, this objective of that object, what they say and the cultural discourses which are taking place here, which are going through this not super varied, but still varied group of people. They're not mm. all philosophers or all, I don't know, cultural scientists or whatever. Mm. Um, so there's a group, varied group of people who have, let's say, different intellectual kind of perspectives. Mm. Um, and I, I do guess that, especially in this objective, that object, that, that cultural discourses which are going on here will kind of feed in to the work. 
but the problem is, of course, that I'm the wrong person to ask, you know, because I don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, um, That's true. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I can try to sense, but I think for that I would have to, to stay longer to really give an answer which has some kind of um, value. No, I would well, be afraid be in front of a, you know, 100 Swedes to tell you what is the essence of Sweden. You know, I have no idea. To, to me, for the moment, it feels quite familiar. I do think that the Western context is not that dif different. No, I mean, mm. I'm not going to squeeze you. So. <laughs> uh, if anybody has questions, you're very welcome to. Raise your hand. There's a question over here. You, you've said a lot of interesting things. Uh, one thing that I will not ask about is your, your perception of performance. You say, we are not performing. No, that I didn't say. Pardon? That I didn't say. It's not a performance. You didn't say that? I say it's not a performance, but I did not say that we're not performing. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll leave that. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you a question, uh, a concrete question. What are, you, what are you telling the people who are acting here? I, I, I went into two rooms. One person was lying on the floor and doing movements. And when I came into the bigger room, there were people standing with their faces against the walls, talking. And spectators were standing there. And uh, I think what you said about trying to change the relationship for the spectator so that he feels empowered, he, he has a power, he's, he's part in a new, in a new way. Uh, that you could feel very concretely in the room because the spectators were on the same level as the people standing to the walls. They were all part of the performance. I'm not sure that everybody realized that. And when I went up to the people speaking, they, they behaved in a special way. And I, it would be nice to hear you say something. What did you, well, how did you instruct the person lying on the floor, and how did you instruct these people standing talking? Well, I mean, there it's quite classical, like I work like a theater director. One could say that my relation to theater or dance is like the relation of a video artist to film. The craft is like almost the same. We have rehearsals, we have a group rehearsal for the dance we say, we have a single rehearsal, I demonstrate, I talk exactly what kind of movement quality I want, like any other choreographer would. It's a straightforward choreographical rehearsal. And then on, on this objective, that object, there are very formal choreographical parts. We, we rehearse them like choreography, um, or the, let's say the chanting, singing parts. But even the, the discussion, that's maybe the most interesting, or the discussion is obviously free, they say what they want, but it's also let's say trained like a choreography, that, that we train how to, how to discuss which aspects work in which way, not content-wise, but like rhetorically. You know? So even the discussion is kind of, I wouldn't say rehearsed, because that would sound like it's scripted, but it is kind of 
exercised or trained, then I think you have a wider definition of the word performance than I. And I don't think that yours is correct. I think that um, performance kind of presupposes a kind of a collective assembling, like gathering, and B proposes some kind of ontological split. Like, like the, in, in theater is very obvious, performance art, it's less obvious but also there. One group's on one side of this ontological split and the other group's on the other side. And that's why I don't think that the work, I mean, I've said that before. I don't think that you can, it doesn't, it's not precise to use that word. You could use the word happening if you want, that, or event, or you don't have to use the word situation, which I prefer, but uh, I don't think that's, that's very precise. May, may I continue? The, the word situation, when you use that, do you mean the situation with the, can, can we call them actors or dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll call them actors. With the actors and the spectators. Yeah. That is the situation. Yeah. So, you, 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 I guess you have spoken to the actors about how they will react when the spectators do things, if they step up to them, if they speak to them. Because that is the, the, the situation which is the common ground for the spectator and the actor. Is, is that right? Yes, but unfortunately I can't talk to you what you should do. So, no. But you're still, producing the, you're still producing the situation just as much as they are. That's why, that's why I think this ontological split is not there. Can, uh, is, are there other? You're very welcome to continue your discussion, I think, uh, long into the evening. Do other people have questions? I just wanted to ask if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about the commercial aspects of your work and, and also the museological aspects of your work about collecting mm. pieces. Well, um, yeah, definitely, but kind of, do you have a bit more um, well, concrete? Yeah, concretely, how, how do you purchase one of your pieces? And uh, um, do you have editions of each work? And, and how do you see them being used by museums in, say, 50 or 100 years' time? Those aspects. Yeah, maybe, Richard, you can, you can answer the first part of the yeah, question. I guess I could, yeah. Magazine 3 acquired a work yesterday, so they should know how it works. And, and I'll, I'll answer the museological part of the question. Quite concretely, one example is the piece This Is New, which is shown at our cashier's desk. Uh, that has an edition of 11 and uh, 8, number 8 of 11 is, uh, was acquired by Magazine 3. Uh, and it's actually pretty straightforward, uh, but there's no papers or anything involved. Uh, Tino stipulates diff certain conditions that we uh, talk about and that we agree on. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of those, but... Uh, once we agree, uh, two people clasp hands and the work is transferred from Tino and his gallerist to us. So it's, it's actually pretty straight. I, I, at the beginning I actually thought that was a bit odd, but uh, I realize now that when I speak about it, it's, it's just very straightforward. Okay, so the museological aspect, oh, you were kind of saying where my work should be in 50 years or something, or where, how I see that kind of um, remaining how that how that should happen 
Um, of course, that's a very, for me, very, very important question, very important aspect, because in my definition of visual art, that's one of the kind of founding essential parameters of what visual art is, that it can remain. It's a kind of intergenerational game. And to participate in this game, it has to remain. No? Um, so, on one end is conventional, if you think of like whatever, like, Choreographers like Balanchine, they have a foundation and these pieces get reperformed. You know? So there are modes of, like, I, I guess, the, somehow the, the knowledge of how to install most of the pieces will remain with some kind of foundation, when, which I will have to kind of set up when I'm a little bit older. Um, and then, <coughs> or, I mean, some of the works which are simpler, the institution can learn or people who have done the works are then authorized to do them again. Um, then of course comes back to something I said earlier, of course the institutions are not necessarily prepared for this kind of work. They have not created a whole kind of dispositif, whole tradition around the conservation of these kind of works like they have for paintings. You know? like I remember one of the first places which acquired a work of mine I spoke with the conservator and he said, well, you know, I don't think that one could really say that we, um, that we, can, that we conserve artworks. He's saying we produce artworks because a lot of these paintings, which are 500 years old, they've been restored so often that there's nothing really remains from the original. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm not a painting expert. but um, So there's a whole dispositif on, keep, on keeping these works from... Um, some kind of degrading no, paintings and of course there's not really such a dispositif in place so that does endanger my work. On the other hand my works can't really materially degrade. They can be forgotten, that's a problem. Like if a painting is forgotten it doesn't really matter as long as it materially remains. It can, 200 years later somebody can get it out of the storage. Well if my work is forgotten for I don't know how many years, nobody remembers it then that's, that was it. But if somebody kind of attacks my work, like attacks one of the people executing it, it would be very awful, of course, for me and for that person personally, but it wouldn't really harm the work. Next day, somebody else would be standing there. Even that sounds really cruel, but the work itself cannot be attacked, so to say, cannot materially degrade. Then there's maybe the kind of Chinese whispers effect, like. Um, it can degrade in that way, the quality of it. But then, on the other hand, it's always changing anyway. So what, there's no real original. So how you can say it's close, even I install or rehearse the works differently each time. Uh, also unconsciously, I think. Like I change the piece. Over the years, they change, and I have different ideas of what I want from them, and I don't even realize. So they're anyway constantly in flux. So which, which moment of the flux is the right moment? So... Um, as a, as a collecting institution, having acquired the work very, very recently, uh, we are, of course, also uh, interested in keeping this work alive. Because uh, um, very, very simply, it also costs a certain amount of money. And, uh, you know, we would want for that work to live on. And it's, of course, in a sense, much more complicated than certain other works that you can lend. I mean, we can lend this piece. I mean, but, but it but the, the parameters are different. But of course we're very interested in those parameters and that's why we acquired the work. So it, 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 that goes back to what I spoke about a little bit earlier, the, the challenge for the institution.
but I mean, I suspect that it will live on here, that specific word. I, I think we will take, uh, for not, so that all these hundred people don't have to sit here forever, we will take on two more questions and that's it. Um, I just have a question about, you call your performers interpreters. Um, so I'm just wondering, um, and you say that the audience is sort of participating in the shaping of it as well as probably uh, the performers because they, at least in this piece, you know, they say things you don't even understand what they say. So, um, so what about ownership and authorship? Um, I mean, you're the author, obviously, because you made the rules. Uh, but what about ownership? Uh, I mean, is it solely your work? Uh, we don't even know the names of the performers. Um, yeah, I'd just like you to comment on that. No, I think that's a, that's a very interesting question. One can also kind of take it away from the people. Like, how can something be an entity? Like, to say it more theoretically, how can something be an identical entity whilst it's changing? So how can this work even have a title if it's different each time? You know, and I think it's the same order of question like the one you're asking. How can, how can I be the author of it if I don't even know what they're actually saying? You know? um, I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting question. Um, on the other hand, of course, let's say if, if you look into the, to the, to the, to the tradition of theater, music, um, dance, there is a kind of author, the choreographer, the composer, something, then there's somebody who interprets it. No? And, and in varying degrees, these people can be um, important. Or in pop music, the interpreter is even more important than the author. No? Um, in terms of the, the question, the net mentioning of the names, it is kind of an interesting question, which I've also asked myself, and I haven't really found a solution for it. Also, I suspect that the kind of people, let's say, who are doing my work, I'm not sure, but I think often they are, some of the, one of the reasons why they also like doing it is because they can kind of speak in public, share their thoughts, but they will not made held, be held responsible for it. Like, at the moment, in a lot of my works, I'm working with people who have some kind of foot in academia. So in any moment you kind of stand up and you speak in academia, it will be part of your professional profile somehow and you will be held accountable for it. And there's a certain freedom in speaking without being held accountable. So I don't even know if I would say, look, let's, um, let's scream out your names out loud at the end of the piece or something, or like in jazz music, like da -da -da, somebody on the drums or something if they would necessarily be so into it. I mean, something we could discuss or something, or say maybe something which will show up in my work soon or something, but um, I'm not so sure if they would really be so into it, no? because I think that's part of the fun. I have one guy who has done a few of my works. He's a music journalist in London, and um, he you know, has a heavy work schedule, and he did a piece of mine in Frankfurt. He took holidays to do it. And he said, for him, it's the ultimate holidays because he's not responsible. You know? So there's two, kind of two sides of the coin. One could read your, read your question as like, well, I'm using these people's intellectual resources, but I'm not crediting for them. But maybe that's also exactly what the fun is for them. You know? um, then, of course, there's other 
let's say, less material or more situational forms of recognition. For example, then having your name written, that's also quite plump in a way. Having your name written there doesn't mean a lot, no? but like the recognition of saying, oh, I like that person, you know, I liked, you know, the long guy or something, he was great, or like the players in between saying, that was a good move, and there's, there's games, of, there's games of, of social recognition and status which are still at stake without that the name is never, I think even some, um, there's some of my interpreters who have picked up, not many, but they've picked up um, a visitor and took them home, you know, for sexual encounters. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm kind of, it's not that they can remain completely invisible. Actually, at the beginning of my work, often the people thought that, that they were the authors. I remember one of the first people who danced instead of allowing, she had a whole email exchange with some curator from Palestina or something, who also thought she was the author of this piece. And so it can also go the other way around. Final question over there. You have a question about context. Uh, you're choosing to work in the museum. Have you thought of ever working in like a supermarket or a train station? Uh, and also maybe a question to the curator as well. Would you be interested in supporting work that was outside of these walls? You want to go first? Yeah, well, no, personally I am interested, but let's say in the kind of the mainstream of my artistic interest, no. I think that the museum is a ritual which celebrates and reflects economic production, and it's a relevant ritual in our times, otherwise, let's say China wouldn't build a thousand museums in the next three years, or we wouldn't be all kind of redoing museums and opening up new museums, so it's an it's important ritual. And to kind of work in this ritual, kind of to to kind of realize some of its instantiation, I think is a, is a politically relevant activity, and I think it has its space. And I'm not interested in. I don't. For me, it's not. I don't, I don't share this kind of 20th century avant-garde idea that it's a place which kind of deadens things. I think it's a it's a live ritual. Also, not not only with my work. And it has been so from the beginning. It has also been, if you look at like the writings of British social reformers at the beginning of the museum, they never talk about the art. They talk about what's going to happen to the people who walk through these rooms. It's always thought of as a live ritual. So for me, I have not really a wish, like deeply artistically, to leave it. I wouldn't be against it, though. I mean, if I would have a good idea. But I fear that my work wouldn't really work well, because there's also kind of, there's a there's a, let's say, um, what's the right word? There's a kind of consensus between the visitor and my work that is, we want to invest time in this thing. Like my work in a supermarket would become like street theater would have to probably use most of its energy to kind of gather the people to actually give attention. While in the museum we have the luxury of people want to give attention. That's what they, that's what they came here for. Yeah, for me, that's one of the issues too, is that you come with expectations you're expecting to be uh, shown something, uh, whereas in a more anonymous type situation where you're not aware of these things, uh, an impact might be stronger. And then just again, uh, the curator's question uh, to the curator. Uh, I guess to answer that, I mean, th there's a reason that I, I wanted to work with Tino, uh, and I mean, our discussions have 
actually started many years ago, and there were uh, ideas of, of uh, working together in a, in a space outside of uh, Magazine 3. And it became quite clear that Tina wasn't really interested in that. Uh, but I was... Not, in not, I would say I wasn't interested, but I didn't have a solution. I didn't have a solution. <laughs> I don't mean that as sort of, you know, to put you down. It was just, at the time, it, it just didn't work out, whatever. Uh, but, uh, so I guess my answer is that currently I continued working with Tino and some other artists within these walls, and it's just already endless and, and, and such a challenge. In, in fact, possibly exactly what you're talking about, this this not surprise, but this this uh, s that you work within a certain tradition, but that you might try to stretch it in different ways, and of course you can um, make works at the train station or whatever, and uh, work there as a curator with people and so forth. And I think it's great that many people do. I'm I'm actually not terribly interested in that, but that's you know personal. Well, you did ask me for something in a park. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, thank you very much, Tino. Thank you for this and for...